Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa alaihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Nothing But Facts live stream. Allahumma salli wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslima. Allahumma salli salatan kamila wa sallim salaman taman ala Sayyidina Muhammad alladhi tanhallu bihi al-uqad wa tanfariju bihi al-kurab wa tuqda bihi al-hawaij wa tunalu bihi al-raghaib wa husnu al-khawatim wa yustasqa al-ghamam bi wajhi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim tasliman kathiran tayyim barakim First thing I actually have to, I'm so upset at myself actually, uh, because I didn't keep tabs on the lunar calendar until late last night when I realized it's the first night of Rajab, where uh, there is a narration from Abu Darja, there's a narration from Ali bin Abi Talib uh, about the blessedness of this night, that they would devote themselves to Ibad in this night, because on that night, the dua is answered. It's one of those nights that the dua is answered. Now, Nisf al-Sha'ban is even stronger. Laylat al-Qadr, even stronger than that. But the thing is, you don't know where Laylat al-Qadr is. Laylat al-Qadr is hidden, but Nisf al-Sha'ban is not hidden. Uh, and it's also not as strong as the two Eids, the nights before the two Eids. There's direct, many, many prophetic hadiths on these three things. Uh, Nisf al-Sha'ban and the two Eids. And of course, we know Laylat al-Qadr, there's no doubt about that. But also you got for... Uh, the night before Friday. So I uh, wish that uh, I had shared that with everybody. But nonetheless, uh, Rajab is a time, they say, where you plant the seeds. Shaban, you water it. And Ramadan, you pluck the fruits. Okay, and you benefit from the fruits. So really, Rajab is a time where people begin to, uh, to do their, uh, uh, revive themselves for the month of Ramadan. Now today, we're going to open up and we're going to talk about uh, evolu- th- not evolution, but uh, what they call theological evolution, which is, to me, one of the most absurd and ridiculous doctrines you're ever going to come across. Because there, it's, it's a desperate attempt to, to merge two completely different ideas, which is the idea of evolution, that the human being evolved, which necessitates that at one point there was the first human first male and the first female. There has to be at some point a first male and a first female. And the Quran and the narrative of the Quran on the creation of Sayyidina Adam. So the first thing that we both agree on, both uh, the, the Darwinists and the Muslims, is that there was a first male and a first female. There has to be. There was no human beings from eternity. Everyone agrees that at some point there was a first. Now, the thing is that in the Quran, we're told exactly how Adam was created. And that's not the only way in which Allah creates. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created human beings in four distinct ways. The same human being has been created in four different ways. Adam was created in a way that Allah describes with detail in the Quran. Hawa was just created in, in hadith. We know how that Hawa was created in her own way from the flesh of Adam and the flesh and bone of Adam so that's the second way in which Allah created we know that Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam was created yet in a third way Prophet Isa was created with a womb and nothing else Sayyidina Jibreel came he touched her womb he came in the form of a man she was nervous he said I have no fear I'm an angel in other words that's the meaning of what he said and then she became pregnant. So that's the third way in which Allah created. And then the fourth way is how we're all created. 
And with the subset within that is the creation of Sayyidina Zakaria and Sayyidina Ishaq and the other children of Ibrahim that came from Sayyidina Sara, which create, came from a woman who was, who was barren her whole life and then she was past the childbirth age. So that's a subset of however. So 4A and 4B. So there's four ways in which Allah creates. So he told us exactly in the Quran how Adam was created. The other one come in hadith. Okay, of course, the number four, which we said, Sayyidina Zakaria and the children of Ibrahim, Ishaq, that comes in the Quran too. And Sayyidina Isa comes in the Quran. But the, the second way about Sayyidina Hajar, uh, Hawa, that comes in hadith. But nonetheless, he tells us how it was created. The human being didn't have to be created in the four stages, all right, in, or sorry, five stages in which Allah described the creation of Adam. But one thing we have to see is the evolutionists and the Darwinists, in their thesis, Adam, the first human, he evolved, right? So that means he had parentage. He had to have a parent, okay? He had to have a mother. And that mother had to have been impregnated by a male. We're not going to say, because they're not human, not going to say a husband and wife, a male and a female. So you're actually positing, and you're, as a Muslim now, you're positing that Adam, the first human being, the prophet, okay, actually had a mom and clearly must have been breastfed by this beast, right? Because she's not a human, right? The mom is not a human. It's a female non-human. That's the implication of what they're saying, right? It's a female non-human. Beast, a creature of some sort, doesn't talk, grunts, doesn't wear clothes, doesn't speak. Something is clearly different between her and Adam. So that's actually, that's what you're saying about the prophet Adam. But where are you bringing that claim from? Right, you can't make a claim about another, now from a, from a completely legalistic standpoint, you can't make a claim about another person's parentage, right? You need some proof, let alone a prophet. But that's essentially what they're believing. Now, why is that element completely contrary and cannot ever, ever, ever be married with the Quran. Now look, you can be an evolutionist all you want. There are Muslims out there, they want to be evolutionists. They love Darwin and they actually get upset if you say anything bad about Darwin, right? They're emotionally attached to him and they want to have a little less things that in which they're different from the modern world. I mean, we have our views on gender. We have our views on sexuality. We have our views on afterlife. We have our views on, on uh, riba, which is a big deal. We have our views on a lot of different things that make us feel in a constant clash. We're going against the grain. So they want to sort of decrease this because the rest of the, the modern world believes in evolution and they sort of want to believe in this. I'm telling you, believe it all you want. You're, it's a free world. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, oh, son of Adam, do what you want. You're going to get the result. You're going to get the result, good or bad. But what I'm telling you is absolutely impossible is to merge this thought with the Quran. And I'm going to explain to you exactly why. And uh, I have a guest next to me, Suhaib. Uh, you can interrupt me anytime you want with a comment. Okay. Right. Anything so far? Uh, well, keep going. I'll okay. figure it out. <laughs> now, the first thing is that Allah Ta'ala does tell us the details in which Adam was created. And it was created. He could have been, couldn't Adam have just been created like boom, without, in a blink of an eye, there's Adam. In a full flesh living human form. It could have been, right? But no, Allah Ta'ala took him in certain stages, okay, 
certain stages that Hawa was not taken in. Okay. No other human being was created in these stages. Maybe to show the angels, to teach the angels something. Maybe to teach us something. Maybe to show Iblis. And the first thing is that he took Turab, earth, dust or soil from the earth. Soil from all parts of the earth. Commanded Sayyidina Jibreel to do this. That's in the Hadith, not in the Quran. But the, the Turab is there, but that he told Jibreel to go into the earth and take from the earth. That's in the Hadith. Secondly, water from the heavens, also from the hadith, not in the Quran. But we know the Quran does affirm it's turab and it's ma, soil and water. Okay, he didn't have to use create with soil and water; he chose to. Secondly, that soil and water was mixed to make mud. Teen, the teen was then transformed; in, it was shaped. When you take clean, mud is, is in a all over the place, but when you make it into a form, it becomes masnoon. That's the meaning of salsalim and hama'im masnoon. The word masnoon, it either we, means, muta, it means mutagayir, altered, and it also means musawwar. If you look at tafsir al-razi, he tells you this. The word masnoon, it indicates that it's mutagayir, it's altered. So it's not just mud in random form, now it's altered, it's put into a form. And salsal, the word salsal means you can now hit it. So it dries, okay? It starts to dry. And then when it further dries, and it has a real echo now, it dries, and, it, and, if, and if the wind goes through it, it has an echo. And if you hit it, it has a deep echo. And that's the meaning of salsal in kelfakhar. So it's turab only, then ma mixed with the turab, then it's teen. So the teen is just sitting there, not shaped. Then it's shaped into its masnoon, salsalim and hama'im masnoon. And then it's left in the sun, as Al-Fakhr al-Razi says, without a strong uh, narration. It means qila. It's said it was then left in the sun for 40 years. Just like when you make a pot, you have to leave it. You can't use it. It'll fall apart, Right. So it's, it's from Sausalim and Hama'i Masnoon first that if you were to touch it, it would fall apart. But then it has to cook. So he was left to bake in the sun. Okay. That's what Al-Fakhr al-Razi says. He left it in the sun for 40 years. And that's a statement that does not come with the strongest of transmissions. But it's a saying. Because there, it, there must be something between Hama'i Masnoon and Sausalim Kal-Fakhar so that it goes from a shaped mud into a hardened mud. Hardened that you could hit it. You can hit it and it makes an echo. Right? That's the meaning of salsalin kel fakhar. There is no other mammal, no other human, that is ever in a hardened state that you can hit. That's why this ayah is so important. Right? And there is no other human being, none of his parts, okay, there's no phase in which you can be described as turab. Or ma, like fluid, yes, semen is a fluid, right? But you're never turab. Semen will never be, it's not the same word as dust, soil. And that's what Adam was made out of. The thing is this, this is not the only way that Allah creates. He, creates, he created Adam in many ways. I mean, uh, human beings in many ways. And he created Hawa directly. That means he took a piece of the living human being, Adam, alayhi salam. And lo and behold, 
He wakes up and Hawa is right there. She doesn't go through all the many stages. That was the fastest creation of a human being is Hawa. She was created very quickly. Okay? So that proves to us that Allah, he can do it. It demonstrates he can do that if he wanted to. He could have created Adam alive, speaking as he wanted to. He could have created him a baby. He could have created him he could have created him through birth, through an animal. Is it possible? Yes, it's Jawaz aqlan, but not sharan. What does it mean when we say possible rationally, but not possible scripturally? Ja'iz aqlan versus ja'iz sharan. The meaning here is, ja'iz aqlan, it means it is something within the possibility of Allah's will. There's nothing that contradicts in, the, in, uh, in our understanding of Allah that he cannot do that. He could have done that. He could have created in many different ways. He could have created a dog from a dolphin. Okay, he could have caused a lion to sneeze and a kitten comes out of his nose, which is what the Bible says about, I think it's the Bible says about the flood of Nuh that when they were on the ark and there were all sorts of rats in the, in the, in the garbage, there was, gar there was a layer for animals, a layer for humans above that, and then there was a chute where the humans put their garbage and their waste. And the, so the bottom level was all garbage and waste. And it smelled so bad, and there were rats everywhere. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the lion to sneeze, and a little baby kitten came out of his nose. Then the lion sneezed again. You know you could put a kitten in your, in your hand sometimes, right? So it definitely could fit in a lion's nose. And then he sneezed again, a female lion sneezed, and a female came out, right? And that's the origin of cats according to the Bible. That's not a chain for us. It's a nice story. That's it. So you people have to understand how to categorize knowledge, right? There are certain sayings, you can believe it if you want. It has no impact. There are certain things you must believe. There are certain things you must believe, but of greater import than the previous one, okay? Something in the Quran, for example, you must believe it. Something in a single solitary hadith, you can suspend it, right? It's not an obligatory belief. All the beliefs take the five rulings. Yes, all possible beliefs are either, they're either you must believe it, you may believe it if you want, you may suspend it, Not, no comment, right? Neither belief nor disbelief, then or that it's discouraged to believe, and we're going to talk about what is discouraged to believe, a belief that has no basis, yeah. hearsay, okay? And then the fifth one, a belief that contradicts the scripture. So it's rationally possible for Allah to create in any way he wants, uh, it, it, but scripturally impossible. It's scripturally impossible that Adam was created in any other way than what's described here, the first human, okay? So that's the thing that we have to understand that this is why it's impossible for a Darwinist to, say, to believe that the first, that our father, Adam, and I'm going to tell you why I'm saying our father, Adam, the father of this human species that we all see, is because we have direct and repeated, oft repeated, that it's doctrine, it's aqidah, is not something that is... Uh, Optional to believe in. It is a unnecessary aqidah to believe in. All right. Now, someone asked the question, which is a good question, of how is it that uh, science and paleontology, they tell us that there have been humans or homo sapiens or whatever you want to call it, categorize it, that lived like 200 million years ago or whatever, whatever it is. But you're saying that Adam came. To, for us, that's an insignificant question for two reasons. Number one, number one, anything that comes from a lot of these subjects, 
you know how broad these estimates are? It's speculative knowledge, right? As a Muslim, if someone comes and tells us that, oh, there have been humans on the earth for 500 million years ago, where do they get that number exactly? Yes, they have a method to get their number. I'm not saying that they're guessing. But where do I categorize that piece of information? I categorize it as speculative knowledge. They might be right, they might be wrong. The Quran as a Muslim is 100% truth. That is the first source of truth if I'm a Muslim. So if I get 100% truth as a Muslim, and then a speculative fact brought by observation or not observation alone, observation and conjecture, then which outweighs which? Then it, I don't need to reconcile this. They're not equal sources. Now, here's the thing. You want to say something? Yeah, yeah. no, I was, I was just going to say, people got it backwards, right? You should judge the uh, non-decisive by the decisive. Yes. Right? So by the Quran, you're, de you're judging everything else, not the other way exactly. around. Exactly. You judge the non-decisive by the decisive. You judge human observation by what's guaranteed in scripture. The by the you, you judge the mutashabih, you interpret mutashabih by the muhkam, right? Here's the thing. If I'm a Muslim and I'm dying, I need what, some way to reconcile this. We'll give you a way to reconcile it. It's flimsy, but I'll give you the way to reconcile it. And Imam Razi talks about this. And the source of what I'm about to say is basically we would say hearsay. It's transmissions that have no strong basis at all. What I'm about to tell you has no strong basis at all. It's not aqidah for sure. Okay? It's not even, we can't even saw fact. The source of what I'm, Imam al-Razi tells us, okay, in the uh, tafsir of Salsal and Kel Fakhar and Salsal and Hamid Masnoon, he tells us, it is said in the books of the Shia that Muhammad al-Baqir, who is the father of Sayyidina al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, and by the way, I have my doubts that even Muhammad al-Baqir said this, Allahu Alam. Anyway, it's, there's no senad to any of this. Not, it's all hearsay. All this is hearsay. That before Adam was created, there were 40,000 Adams created. Right? And between each is 40,000 years. Where is they getting this information from? Right? Ibn Arabi, he says something similar based upon a mukashifa, a dream. Is this going to be the source of our knowledge? With all our respect, number one, Muhammad al-Baqir, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq is his son. That's Imam Malik's sheikh, right? His spiritual sheikh that we could say taught him how to love the messenger, peace be upon him, is Jafar al-Sadiq. We hold the position for Jafar al-Sadiq and Muhammad al-Baqir and Ali Zain al-Abideen, okay? That is above our heads. These are Ahl al-Bayt. That doesn't mean everything that is claimed that they said is true, right? Show me the proof that they said it so I can believe it firmly and hold on to it. So it's hearsay, okay? But if you want hearsay to sort of bring these two things together and how they're human beings from all that time, and even were they human beings or were they some kind of homo erectus, some different type of non-Adamic, whatever, it's all conjecture from the paleontologists to the spiritualists who are saying this to the Shia, even Razi says, it's conjecture, but it's a saying, and it doesn't deny anything. Right? It doesn't deny our belief that our father Adam was created in this manner. Okay? It's whatever. That's where a belief that we could say is probably between permitted or discouraged. A belief that there were other Homo sapiens, other human beings, other Adams, right? 
And then there's a saying of Ibn Abbas that there was uh, 12,000 Nuhs and 12,000 Ibrahims and different planets. It's all hearsay, right? It, legally speaking, it's hearsay. You can't make a case out of this. You can't make a doctrinal case. You can make any case on this. But if you like it, and that's what's going to settle your heart, it's probably between a permitted belief and a discouraged belief. As long as you're not contradicting this, that us human beings that you see are all descended from Adam and Hawa. And Adam and Hawa, Adam salam, was at one point you can hit him, knock on him, and it would echo. Until life came into him, then he became moist with the, with the ruh. Let's reverse it now. So he was, it was turab, then he was water, mixed with the turab, then he was ruh. Once he was ruh, he became with a different moisture now, and heated, and he could walk and talk. Take the, now we don't see that, but we do see the reverse. We do see, take the ruh out of somebody, someone dead. What do you see? Now all of a sudden, the water, there's not talking, he's not walking, and he's cold. No, there's nothing there anymore, right? Now, you start watching this body, this carcass, all of a sudden the moisture goes away, right? And the dust falls apart, and he's dust again, right? So we don't see, so if you tell me, uh, how do I drive to, to, to Florida? So you're going to drive to Florida, you're going to go down to Jersey, then you hit Delaware, then you hit Maryland, then you hit Virginia, then you hit, I think it's uh, Georgia, right? Maybe my skipping a state. And then you hit uh, Florida, right? So I'm in Florida right now. I have to trust you. Now I drive from Florida to New Jersey and I get the re exact reverse list that you got. That's our, then I know you're true. You spoke the truth. So that is how the human being was created. So this idea of, Oh, there were, there were things discovered. It's, you're in the world of all speculation. If you want to believe in that fairy tale, believe in it. You want to believe in the hearsay and the dreams of Ibn Arabi, who is, by the way, on top of our heads. We, the Habayib teach, we hold a very good opinion of Ibn Arabi, but we don't read his books. Firstly, we don't know who wrote them, how they're transmitted, what he was saying. And it's all mukashifat, okay? And mukashifat that have no impact on daily life. Most of them, like those types of mukashafat. He says, in a dream, I dreamt that I was in a, uh, making tawaf around the Kaaba. And then I saw a man who I couldn't recognize his face. And he said, I'm so-and-so. And he said a name that, like, from another language. And he said, uh, and who are you? And they were like, we're Adamiyin, but not like you. We're humans, but not like you. Right? And then he said, for, and, and how do you make tawaf here? And he said, we've been making tawaf here for 40,000 years before Adam. Okay. It's a nice, it's a thing. That's it. We suspend it or reject it. If you reject it completely, you're innocent, right? So that's it. Second question that came up before we wrap up my opening statement here. How did Adam and Eve and their children have tools and narrations that they were have tools and they were shepherds and farmers, right? Because we know Habil and Qabil, one was a shepherd, one was a farmer. Well, we say very simply that Sayyidina Jibreel came down with them and was constantly with the human beings and, and helping them advance so that they could survive. So we don't believe that Allah put them on and they were just looking around and have no clue what's going on. And let, let's eat this berry and, and see if we live and let's eat this, you take a squirrel. and No, they, Sayyidina Jibreel came and he taught them how to live and he even brought them tools. 
so that no, they didn't have to discover iron and then discover how to heat it up and then do, no, he came and brought them tools and he came and he brought them seeds and he taught them everything, right? He taught them everything from scratch. Now when, now the human being spread out, Qabil left. He had to invent everything from scratch. He didn't get the privilege anymore of being around with them. After the flood of Nuh, it was the same thing. People spread around. So they, they did have to discover things again. And they may have been in a very primitive condition, right? It's possible. So that we do have an ability that to say that Adam السلام, came with a malak, with Sayyidina Jibreel, who taught him the deen and the dunya. And it was one thing. Living and deen was one thing in that time. All right. So that explains how that uh, the, the mention of that uh, there were farmers and shepherds that early on, yet we know that farming and shepherding was also discovered way later. That's how we reconcile the two. Because it was brought to them directly as is. And then many, many people spread out and left and then had to re reinvent the wheel. So those are the three questions that came up. Uh, we Muslims don't have to get involved if you want to get involved in the critique of Darwinism. To me, that's pointless. It's pointless. It's, it's nice if someone does it and, and finds the holes in it through paleontology, probably, the discovery of fossils. But it's irrelevant to me. What is relevant to me is very simply that this doctrine and this, or this, this theory cannot line up with the Qur'an. It can line up for animals. If you, it, here's another permissible belief. You want to believe that the tiger evolved from the, uh, what is it called? The saber-toothed tiger and the woolly mammoth evolved from the elephant? I don't know what's that. Good for you. If you like to believe that frogs they evolved from little fish, wonderful. Uh, if dogs, they evolved from different things, be my guest. Because we don't have a doctrine on the creation of animals we could care less what you believe about animals. I personally don't believe that because from the sunnah of Allah, he creates a thing as is directly. That's the sunnah of Allah. But it's not something that is going to even be a forbidden belief. You won't be sinful for that belief. You won't be an innovator or a kafir if you choose to believe in the evolution of animals. It's not a hill to die on. It's not a hill to die on. Someone said that? No, like you said that. Yeah, it's not a hill to die on. It's not even a hill to even discuss. But enjoy yourself. If that's what gives you kicks and you'll be happy now because you have something in common with the other Darwinists, right? Wonderful for you. You just can't believe that the human being, you cannot reconcile that with the Qur'an. So that's, it's, that's how simple it is, right? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, so they go into it being like metaphor, all of the, uh, you know, the narrations. I mean, first of all, there's no reason to go into so much detail about the creation of Adam if it's yeah. just going to be metaphor. And second of 100%. all, there's no other qisas in the Qur'an, there's no other stories in the Qur'an that are metaphor. Why don't you interpret that, everything that's like true. that? That's <laughs> true. Uh, so they're going to say, oh, it's a metaphor. Then why isn't everything else a metaphor? We're out of a religion then, yeah. right? <laughs> there's nothing to do. Everything's a metaphor. So let's open it up now to everyone's comments and questions. We're not going to go, it's 2.50 right now. Um, I got to do parenting at about 3.10. Let's, we got to wrap up at 3. So we only have 10 minutes of question, then I have to do adulting. All right, let's see what we got. So, hey, you can bring something if you want. Put your questions. If you're on, uh, if you're on the gram, put your questions in the little question box here. All right, what we got, Ryan? Someone asked, is there a dhikr? Al-hayu 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 al-hayu
for the month of Rajab? Yeah, hi, uh, dhikr for the month, month of Rajab is general istighfar, but it can be anything. You could say, ya hayu, ya qayyum, is a wonderful dhikr. Any remembrance of Allah with the intent of purifying ourselves and preparing us, ourselves for the for the for Shaban and the, the coming of Ramadan. Are there any Sahih hadith apart from Bukhari and Muslim? hundred percent. There's Sahih hadith in Watta Imam Malik. There's Sahih hadith in the four Sunan. Specifically, you'll find them in the uh, chapters on Aqidah and Fiqh uh, and rulings. You'll find many Sahih Hadiths in Musnad of Imam Ahmad, in Tabarani, Darimi, plenty of Sahih Hadiths. Mustad, the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim upon Bukhari and Muslim. You'll find plenty of Hadiths that are Sahih uh, outside of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Any, are there, is anyone commenting on um, Smitu, the, uh, on, the, on what we opened with? Or maybe it was oh, yeah. like that cut and dry, right? We have some. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Our friend Maliki Click. Yes. Um, from our Tuesday night classes. Allahu Akbar. He said, in your estimation, how many years ago did Adam exist? And what is the wisdom in that we were created with different colors? What's the best book in English about the creation? Okay, so the, quest, the first question is, how many years? There are some weak hadiths about that, but I can't remember them. Right there, there. It's weak hadiths that say that between uh, the Prophet Muhammad and Sayyidina Isa, six hundred years. That we know as a fact. Between Prophet Isa and Prophet Dawood, a thousand years. Between Dawood and Musa, like five hundred years. Between Musa and Yusuf, five hundred years. Between Yusuf and Ibrahim, five hundred. Uh, no, not five hundred years. Uh, less than that. Between Sayyidina Ibrahim and Prophet Nuh, a thousand years. From Nuh to Adam, alayhi salam, I don't Allah Adam, right? But to me, it's there's no nothing that you could do jazm upon. Jazm is to say with certainty. So it's just not really something. Uh, secondly, what's the value of races and skins, and how did we get them? So we do have a hadith about that. Again, it's not one of those perfectly sahih hadith that we're going to put a stake in the ground. There's some weakness in it, but it's nonetheless stated, and that is namely that. After the flood of Nuh, see, the human beings were one. They were one skin, one tongue, one everything. So when one, when the corruption entered, it very easily spread to everybody, right? Because everyone lived together when it was one skin and one language and one tribe. So the corruption spread. Like if you have all your money, all your paper money in one bag and someone puts a, a, a match, eventually the whole, all the money is going to be burned, right? Mm. So likewise, this time around, Allah Ta'ala divides the human up for their own protection by dividing them up through, by, by having seas, oceans between them. And then after the flood of Nuh, that people were born and were created, uh, uh, they were given birth to completely different races from their parents. And that's how races developed. And they woke up one day speaking three different tongues. Okay, so the one tongue went up north, one tongue stayed, one people speak in one language, and the people speaking the third language moved down. That's like a qawl for us. It's not doctrine. And that's how races and uh, languages came about. And then people spread from there. But you eventually ended up with three or four or five, Allah Adam, uh, different uh, groups from the ark. They were divided up and they, they gave birth with children of different skins right away automatically. See, we have no problem with right away automatically. Allah says, kun fayakun. 
right? How was Hawa born? She, how was she created? She wasn't born. She was created right away automatically, right? There was, she was created way faster than Sayyidina Adam, alayhi salam. Sayyidina Adam, Allah created him in degrees as an education for the angels and for the humans afterwards. Sayyidina Hawa was born right away, was created right away. Likewise, these races and, and, and essential languages were created right away. So uh, that's our understanding of how and why. As for a book about this, you need to consult many different books. And there used to be a book, it's filled with Israeliyat. But as the Prophet ﷺ said, the, the stories of Bani Israel, they have amazing things in them. Amazingly that you reject and amazing that you just say, it could be, wow, it's amazing. And that is the book by Kisa'i. Kisa'i's uh, book on the Prophets, like history of you. So read about Adam, Nuh, you read amazing things. He got them all from the Jewish. There was a YouTube guy on YouTube and he was basically um, putting nasty comments. Oh, you copied this story from the Midrash, right? That's their book, the Midrash, right? Whatever it's called. Oh, your scholars copied. Yeah, they did copy some things. By the way, you're lucky they did because you didn't preserve them. We did, <laughs> right? So that's the first thing. But secondly, our, and they tell us. By the way, here's the fun. Here's the most hilarious thing. The Shia. Um, I went to their websites. They can't find. The narration that Razi's talking about, they rely on Razi to cite them, right? <laughs> I, er, earlier on in the stream, I cited the story of Razi. Imam Razi in his tafsir, he says that the, Shia, the books of the Shia say that before Adam, there were thousands of Adams, a thousand, thousand Adams, like a million Adams, right? And he says, it's just a narration, but it doesn't impinge upon this, our belief that this is our father. Adam, alayhi salam, is our father, and he was created like this. When I went to look it up, the Shia don't have a source, right? They all cite Razi. So, I mean, it wasn't for, likewise, all the, these critiques of the Quran. Oh, the Quran has this dialect and this. Where are you getting it? You're getting it from our books. Yeah. We preserved it for you. So that's the first thing to, to this guy. But secondly, right, whoever responded to him from the Safina team was really smart. They said, oh, it doesn't matter what you think. Keep watching and keep commenting. So right, that's it, so get our views. All right, what else we got? We got a question. I'm going to read it here from uh, the creative end. It is okay to follow the moon sighting website apps if the website is a confirmed website that scholars have referred to and they discuss. And there are Crescent Watch is a good website. There are of Crescent Moon Watch. There's Chicago Hillel. They're all, inshallah, reliable people. A website is like a book. You got to know the author. Yeah. Right? A YouTube video is like a book. You must know the author. The about page gives you the senate right of this website who, who who is it who's doing it so yeah you should uh, you should do that uh is there any intelligent physical creature that lived in the earth before adam and i said that's what we already answered that with that theory that comes on the level of hearsay it's complete hearsay for us that there were adams before adam it is not a aqidah for us for sure and i would say we can ask the scholars but i heard have heard them call it either a belief that is permissible discouraged or even forbidden because they say it's from the ghaybiyat and it's from the actions of Allah and you can't attribute an action of Allah uh, without a proof. So you have to have a proof. Uh, I'm going to read one more then we'll go to Ryan. Uh, Zaina says, if you can believe in the ta'wil of sifat because it contradicts into like, why can't you do ta'wil of Adam alayhi salam? Uh, the ta'wil of the sifat is like this. That's a good question. 
The only reason we ever do ta'wil is because the literal meaning of a verse contradicts another literal meaning, uh, another direct verse, or a more dominant verse. Okay? The story of Adam does not contradict anything else. Right? And secondly, we don't make ta'wil of sifat. Ta'wil, when it, we, we're not saying it's all metaphor. No. We, re, we say that anytime there's a mutashabih, okay? Get this, I'm going to repeat this a million times in the future. Anytime there is a verse that is mutashabih that indicates the outward meaning of it is that Allah has a physical shape, for example, or is moving or has hands and arms and face. We divide it into two categories. The first category is the literal meaning. That the, the other verses of Quran negate for us that it's possible, negate that, contradict it. So therefore, we don't believe in that aspect. What, but we still affirm the attribute. How? By believing in the result. So for example, what is the ghadab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is ghadab? Anger. Anger is the boiling of your heart. Okay. That's the definition of anger. Does Allah's heart boil? No. Does Allah have organs? No. So therefore, the literal meaning of ghadab, we exit out. But we affirm the result. What's the result of anger? Punishment. Right? That's the result of anger. Let's take hayat, for example. Hayat, uh, shame. Allah, Prophet said, Allah is hayyiyun kareem. Right? He has shame and he's generous. He's, a, he's embarrassed. What is embarrassment? Embarrassment is a weakness for us, right? The literal being embarrassed means because you have something that you need to cover up. Right? You have a awrah that you need to cover. Does Allah, is he embarrassed of anything? Does he have awrah that needs to be covered up? No. So we reject that, the literal meaning we reject. We affirm the result. What's the result of hayat? If you're embarrassed and I come and ask you and you're embarrassed, what do you do? You give. So the result of hayat is he gives to everybody. Anyone who asks him, he's going to give them a reward of some sort. All right. How about ghayra? Allah has ghayra, jealousy. What is jealousy? Jealousy is fear over something you love, of losing something that you love. Does Allah have fear of anything? No. So we re that's impossible. We reject that and we affirm the result of ghayra. What is the result of ghayra? Is separating between what you love and what you hate. So the ghayra, the jealousy of Allah towards his abd, towards his servants, human, human beings, through the believers, is over them going to prohibitions. So the ghayra of Allah is that he separates between them and prohibitions. Okay? The nuzul of Allah Ta'ala, the coming down. Okay, coming down is a physical action. All right? We negate that for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The divine doesn't move around. Okay? Uh, how do we know that? Because to move means that space is dominating you and you are subjected to space. Right? And Allah says, Allahu samad. He has no needs. Okay? Secondly, so that's the nature and essence. We X that out for Allah Ta'ala. But what, we, what do we affirm? If the king comes to you, he's coming to give you. So we affirm the result, which is ample and immense generosity. So Zayna uh, 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 Aburun, uh, that's a very important question that you asked. And because it's so important, and I'm going to repeat this again. I'll repeat it in every stream if I have to. Because it's actually a beautiful, it makes you now understand why the mutashabihats are there and how to understand them. So I need Zaina to come and tell me if she heard the answer and if, uh, she, if she grasped it. I am Hamid. Can you name an easily understandable fiqh and aqidah book for beginners? What about Key to Paradise? 
<laughs> Can you link it up, uh, Ryan? Uh, SafinaPress.com, Key to Paradise, uh, is where I summarized basically the classes that I taught over the years on Aqidah. Okay, what's a good, an ideal Laylatul Jum'ah routine? Try to get a good night's sleep and wake up for a decent tahajjud in which you recite from the Quran and bring to Allah all of your wants and desires. So again, we don't make anything, we don't have to interpret anything unless that text contradicts something more absolute. As Suhaib said, the, there is muhkam and mutashabih. The muhkam verses, they are the umm al-kitab. There's no doubt about them. That's our religion. Then there's mutashabih. There's a wisdom for why Allah uses mutashabih, things that need to be interpreted. Okay? They are interpreted in light of the muhkam. The story of Adam is not, is not mutashabih. It's muhkam. It's stated so clearly and it doesn't contradict anything else. All right, Ryan, up to you. <coughs> what is accepted as Dalal Qatir? Qati in Islam. What's accepted as a dalil qat'i in Islam? That the language has a clear and precise definition. You got to go? All right, go ahead. Uh, it has a clear and precise definition. It does not contradict any other narration. Okay? And that it cannot be interpreted in any other way. You cannot read the story of Adam and interpret it any other way except that he was created from soil and water in the heavens and then he was made into Sal Salim and Hamid Masnoon and then Sal Salim Kal Fakhar and then Allah blew in him from his spirit. By the way, when a ruhi, that means the ruh that Allah owns. And doesn't Allah own everything? Yes. But when Allah attributes something to himself, it's out of tashrif. Okay. Yes, Allah is owns the pigs on the earth. Okay, and he owns the birds in the sky. And he just tells you that there are pigs and there are animals and there are heavens and there are mountains. But he said, my soul, meaning the soul that he owns, he attributes it to himself. Okay, out of tashrif. So it is not, as some people say, part of Allah Ta'ala is infused inside of the human being. That would be uh, an incorrect belief. That would be kufr as well. All right, what else you got? Uh, what to study after the... What do you study after the Fardain? You should go deep into the study of Aqidah and then you should go into the study of the greater, the, the chapters of Mu'amalat in Fiqh. Mu'amalat is the interactions, how to buy, how to sell, things like that. But you should study deeply Aqidah. Uh, uh, Aliyah says, what does the word Khalifa mean that Allah Ta'ala used in the creation of Adam? It means the one that will represent his will in paradise. Okay. Uh, sorry, in the earth. He represents Allah's will. What is Allah's will? His law. Okay. There's a question here from FGA Free. How can you reconcile the origins of Ash'ari discussions of Christian theologians? I'm very much open to understanding. So I said it yesterday. I don't have the book with me today. But there are questions that came up after the Sahaba, after the first generation, after the second generation and the third generation. And it is obligatory for the scholars to answer these questions. Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari was one of those who did that. Okay. Abu Mansur al-Maturidi was one of those who did that. Okay. So they confirmed the essential beliefs of the Muslims. Okay. No different than Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. 
And then they did, they answered them. They had to answer all of these other heretical uh, beliefs. And a lot of this is also discussed in Key to Paradise, right, which is on Safina Press. Uh, do you have Eshadi Al-Qaeda courses at Safina for beginners? Not, it, yeah, it's sort of for beginners, but it's so long that it's put in ArcView Plus scholarship track. So if you go to myarcview.org, you're going to see uh, Key to Paradise, the class. And it's mutawwal. It's a long class. Anything that's really long... We put it on, but I repeat the same things and I try to put it in very simple terms and you could uh, subscribe, take the course, and when you're done uh, taking the course, you can unsubscribe. People have always asked me, can you just sell something by the course? No, we're not gonna, we, they don't have to do it by the course. You subscribe, when you're done with the class, unsubscribe, it's not gonna hurt my feelings. Wallahi if I see on the email, which I don't always go on these emails anyway, oh, uh, let's see, TT uh, Ansari, unsubscribed i'm not hurting my feelings you took the course that you wanted to take and that's it so they subscribe they unsubscribe and i i've seen people every two months subscribe unsubscribe subscribe unsubscribe no problem it doesn't upset me but that's the best way to do it from the admin side and the back end we give you all the courses over 50 courses that you could take all right on and then more on the scholarship side all right let's go to Usama ibn Kallab, ibn Kullab, and ibn Kallab, Imam Muhasibi, as well as the Salaf, yes. Ibn, uh, uh, Abdul Ghani Nabulsi talks about how Al-Bukhari takes a lot of aqidah from ibn Kullab. Next question. Was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a rich man? Was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam rich? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam represented all of the financial statuses that human beings could ever have. And at one point, he was the wealthiest man in Arabia. What's the proof? And why? Allah made him the wealthiest man in Arabia to show the wealthy Arabs, right, that this messenger is capable of attaining more wealth than you. And what's the proof that he was the wealthiest man in Arabia? Very simple. After the battle of uh, Hudaybiyah, uh, the battle of Hudaybiyah, Okay, when he conquered a Ta'if, he had so much wealth, one-fifth of all that wealth was his to do whatever he wanted with it, okay? He then gave it out. He gave it all out to people so that they could soften their hearts and believe that he's not doing this for the sake of money. So he, if he was uh, not, if he, if he didn't own that wealth, how did he give out? He was the owner and he could have possessed all that wealth for himself. So he was at that period of time, the wealthiest man in Arabia. The prophet was never poor. Poor indicates the inability to attain wealth. That's one of the indicators. This is not a good thing. But the prophet we say was fi maqam al-zuhd. He was representing and he chose because Sayyidina Jibreel, Allah gave him a choice. You can have all the wealth in this world. Right, his prophet said, no, I'll, I want to live like Abd. And I want to have, he was in Maqam al-Zuhd, the rank of Zuhd. All right, one more question, because as I told you guys, I got to go do parenting and adulting. Yes. Our dear brother Sohaib, uh, he asked, he said, Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. asked if there's a good book that describes the differences between Ash'ari and Maturidi. Yeah, there is a good book. It's very technical. Uh, it's called The Differences Between Ash'aris and Maturidis, right? I have it on my shelf. I read it. Uh, and uh, you can get that book, The Difference Between Ash'aris and Maturidis. I encourage everyone to study Aqidah as much as you can. Not only it cements your Iman, it also fills your heart, especially when you study 
the attributes of Allah. The name of Allah, Al-Wasi'ah. Most people don't make a dua. They think it's impossible. They have to study the name Al-Qadr, Al-Muqtadr. Or they think, oh, I can't do this and this at the same time. Why not? Allah is Wasi'ah. He's vast. You present your desires in front of Allah and He can make them both happen. Okay, He's Al-Wasi'ah, the vast. Uh, the deen and ibad is dua. And dua is happiness. Because you don't make dua for something that you don't want. You make dua for something that you want. To me, ibadah equals happiness. Because I'm going to benefit. I'm going to, to completely benefit in deen and dunya. Ajilan wa ajilan. Right? Sayyidina Ali said, never, do not ever think that Allah Ta'ala is going to only give you in the akhirah. He, he pays you in cash. You're doing ibadah now, right? You won't just get the reward later. You get the reward now and later. And some people... They're of the maqam that they only want Allah Ta'ala and nothing else. I say, you have a greater maqam than us. But we're masakin and we need a reward in this life and the next. Okay, so uh, I am Hamid. Last comment we'll have to take for today. I wish I could go longer with you, but I can't. I really want to study, but I don't know where to start from. MyArcView.org. Go there and start. The first thing is learn how to recite the Qur'an. And you could take Arabic letters and you could take Tajweed. They're under the free tab. There are free courses. Click more. Go to myarkv.org. Click more courses. You'll see free. Study the Arabic letters and study the rules of Tajweed until you know how to recite the Quran. And then, uh, Ryan, we really need to get Sheikh Murad here and record him on Aqidah. Like it's, it's become a necessity. 12 free videos on Aqidah. And then we have on the free courses how to, how to pray and how to fast. The Fardain, essentially. So start with your Fardain. All right, folks. Jazakumullah khairan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim taslima. We ask Allah ta'ala to forgive our parents and enter them Jannah without hisab. And we ask Allah ta'ala for all those who uh, owe, we owe a debt to a debt of ta'lim, of education, a debt of wealth. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them and enter them Jannah without any hisab. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all those who are passed away and recently to enter them Jannah and to uh, enter them without any hisab. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all those who are seeking something from Allah ta'ala that are turning their hearts to Allah. Oh Allah, be generous with them. We ask Allah to be generous with us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to render us from those who are constantly in dua and are constantly grateful and shakirin at the same time. We ask Allah Ta'ala to fill our hearts with gratitude and shukr. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to fill our hearts with the desire, uh, the desires that Allah wants from us and the desires that would make our messenger pleased when he sees them. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to make none more beloved to us than his most beloved, Sayyid Al-Kawnain, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam. Wa barakallahu feekum wa jazakum Allahu khairan. والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته